Welcome. Welcome, everybody. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show here on a Friday night, and I'm holding myself back. I'm waiting for my partners before I say anything, but I see everybody there in the chat, so we'll get to everybody first. Welcome. I know we're not in studio. It was, it was, It's a late night. We all said it's cold outside. No reason for us to get out of here. We're going to do this from home, but I still get to see <laughs> the beautiful faces of Derek Bodner and Kyle Newbeck. Fellas, that's a pretty good win. What's going on, y'all? That was a great win. I had just about everything. I had a great Tyrese Maxey performance. I had Pat Bev and Marcus Morris down the stretch, and that had absolutely no defense all night long, which led to some entertaining two-way basketball. I am doing great. Guys, I got to be honest with you. I saw Derek tweet this out at one point during the game, and I completely agreed with him. Said something to the effect of, I keep looking up and being like, how is this a close game? Or how is this a tie game? And I, the answer to that to me was Tyrese Maxey. But otherwise, up until that fourth quarter, yeah. maybe you were getting some, you know, here and there scoring from Tobias Harris. He ends up having a decent game overall. That went away in the fourth. But for much of that game, that was Tyrese Maxey versus the world. And Tyrese Maxey was, I, don't, I can't say he's winning that battle, but he's at least drawing the world to a standstill. I mean, what an impressive game for him to go two for nine and he still drops 42. So that's a career high and made free throws. Like just incredible shit out of Tyrese. Yeah, no question. And and the thing for me, I've written in my notes, I think it was as I take a peek quickly here, I put it down here at the four, four, right around four and a half to play. And I had written in there, can this, can Maxi close this one out? Can Maxi be, he's done everything. And we've seen him take over. And Tobias Harris picked up some of the slack there when Maxi cooled off a little bit, just because of the way the defense was. And quite frankly, why he does not get tired. He probably got a little tired because of how fast he was moving tonight, getting all those shots because nine three-pointers, but man, the drive to the basket was a smart way to attack that defense tonight. I was, I was wondering if he was going to have to take over because quite honestly, guys, I wasn't sure if the others had that in them to do what they did tonight to close out the game, to get this 21st victory and the second of this four-game road trip back-to-back here on these two wins after the Orlando win on Wednesday. So, as as good as he was, and of course we're going to talk a lot about him and what he was able to do, but the way that they closed that out after the Houston Rockets hitting shots and not going away, them to hit big shots from Beverly to Morris, the free throws also with Melton as well down down towards the end of the game, I, it, that that was an impressive win and arguably one of their better wins of the season, especially not having Joel Embiid again for another game. Yeah, and look, to me, the thing that jumps out about Tyrese's performance, it almost, it, it, it reminds you some more of when he came into the league when we were like, well, he's got the speed. He's got the downhill stuff before the three-point shot came. And if that three-point shot comes, everything's going to open up for him. And that used to be his bread and butter. Like, we know he's going to try to get to the rim, hit that floater, hit that runner, all that. But what you saw that he added that was so evident in this game is the finishing package and the playing through contact and initiating contact, getting into guys' chests, including, you know, bigger. The, the Rockets don't have like a chop blocker back there because Shangun is their center, does a lot of other great things in terms of rebounding, playmaking, scoring. But going right at Shangun's chest and finishing over him, going by bigger, longer defenders like Jay Sean Tate, and negating all the advantages that those guys had 
physically and saying like, this is my time. I'm coming at you. I'm going to score whenever I want. You know, I think he probably comes into this game looking at it like, look, Miami's trying to wall me off from the paint. Orlando tried to do so for long stretches of that game. Maybe got away with a few fouls here and there, doubled them at the point of, the, of attack. And then tonight, they tried to play a lot of single coverage on him or they're playing drop against him at times. Some of that might be because the three-point shot was in there. And he's just saying, I don't care. I'm coming right down Main Street, going right to the rim. And to see him put together that type of scoring performance, really without the three-point shot all night, that is, that's about as impressive as it gets, I think, from Tyrese. It really was, I thought, um, baffling the way Houston defended them because, like you mentioned, they don't have a natural shot blocker. They're not good at protecting the rim. You thought they would do everything they could to keep him out of the rim or out of the paint. Uh, and for them to go one-on-one like that and give him uh, matchups to exploit, and he really attacked every defender they threw out there, especially with Dylan Brooks not in the lineup, uh, I was surprised with the way that they came out. Good on him for taking advantage of what was there, and good on him for, you know, early on, I thought he had a couple of layups that didn't go in, a couple of calls he probably thought he wished he had, and he didn't let up attacking, and he kept going and going and going. That three-point shot never really came around, but the midi was there. Um, his layups at the rim were just incredible, especially in that second quarter. And to get to the free throw line that many times, that is a skill he has to develop. This was an opponent he had to use that against, uh, and it was an incredible, incredible performance against, a, you know, this game I thought played out in many different ways that I didn't expect. You come in, and Houston's a real good defensive squad. They struggle on offense while they come out. They shoot the hell out of the ball, uh, and the Sixers <laughs> put up a, uh, you know, a really big number there. But they came away with a win without Joel against a team that was playing decent basketball this year. Um, and like I said, a real good, I think they're, number two or number three defensively in the league right now. I'm not sure I totally buy that, especially because that some of those rim protection numbers we mentioned, I think the, uh, their opponent three-point percentage is like the second worst in the league. I think opponents shoot like 32% from it. I think there might be some Jedi three-point defense going on here, but they're a good defensive squad nonetheless, uh, and that was a real good win. And they're also missing some, like Dylan Brooks didn't play tonight. Yeah. So that, that dents Completely the defense team. a little yep. bit. Yeah, like I don't know that you're expecting him to defend Tyrese Maxey certainly wouldn't have had that. Like you can use him on a lot of bigger wings and forwards and what have you, maybe you slow down to bias a little bit more, but I don't think that short of completely changing how they wanted to approach the game on defense. I just didn't think they had any answers for him. And look to your point, Derek, I agree with you. I was a little bewildered by the defensive choices that they made. They didn't really do much of anything to, throw different looks at Tyrese until late in that game. I honestly thought there were probably more self-inflicted wounds from the Sixers in mm -hmm. the fourth quarter in terms of why is Tyrese standing in the corner on this possession when <laughs> he's the guy just like killing everybody. But look, all that being said, weird approach or not, you still got to go out there and take it. Had some finishing struggles earlier this week and just, just an amazing, incredible team carrying performance from Tyrese. And then there were the rest of the guys. That's kind of how I, I, I look at this game. <laughs> and, yeah, and really, I, that second quarter, like, what do you have, 19 mm -hmm. in the second quarter alone? He kept yeah. them afloat almost single-handedly. Even at that point, Tobias wasn't necessarily involved in the game like he would become. And certainly Marcus Morris and Patrick Beverly weren't. For him to keep them alive like that long enough for your role players to sort of wake up and carry you through to the finish line, it was a superstar-level performance. I'm not saying Tyrese Maxey is a superstar yet, right. but it was that yeah. kind of a performance, yeah. 
And look, he, he played the entire 12 minutes in that second quarter and 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 st- and still did what he did. Now, look, he got the help later on as he needed to kind of take a little bit of a breather up and down the floor. But he got seven each from Kelly Oubre and Tobias Harris, both hitting three-pointers in that frame to help them take that one-point lead that they eventually took late in that second quarter, down by, down by one at the half. But uh, in general, just the things that he did and – you saw it. I saw it, Kyle, when I saw your tweet as we were all watching the game and everyone was watching the game. And you said one thing about him just attacking. It was because of what the defense was giving him, but also just because he knew he could blow by anybody that was in front of him. Poor Jay Sean Tate, man. Like, oh, man. He, just, he got abused all and that look, damn night. It was crazy. That's why, and that's why he grabbed him around his neck and committed that flagrant <laughs> foul because there was no other way for him to slow him down because he continued to just drive by him. He said his first step is so quick, so fast. And, and, and that's exactly, that's exact to me when it happened, you could see it. Jay, Jay Sean Tate is sitting there complaining to the official. It's like, dude, you know you did it. You've been there before. You get mad as a basketball player when somebody is destroying you and you frustratingly foul them in some way. You may not be like a, a, a Marcus Morris hard foul in the lane or Patrick Beverly. It, it was this way where you clothesline the guy as he got by you. And I think we're all honest and, you know, we're unbiased in these situations. Like, look, you found him, man, and you know you found him. So <laughs> it, it's it's okay. We're all watching the same thing that you're feeling. You're you're feeling in the moment, and and that was it. But I just thought it was impressive because of how he did it. He made one three pointer on those nineteen uh, points that he made. He got to the free throw line six times, converted all six, six of ten from the floor. One turnover once again in that frame, fellas, where he could protected the basketball, but just as you said, a superstar level performance, Derek, in this one where he put his team on on their back on his back in that second quarter to make sure that they cut into that lead. They were down by double digits and he figured out a way to to once again show everyone why we all, not just us three, but even the people in the comments here, why we all talk about him so fondly the way that we do because of the type of play that he has. And again, that's why I put it down in the notes in the fourth quarter. Not that it takes away from the performance, but I just wanted to see it because it just had that feel of he's now going to take over the final four minutes too and close this game out and win this game by himself. Some free throws here, maybe find somebody, a teammate for a basket, a three-pointer, a layup, whatever it might have been. That's what I thought he was going to do, but a fantastic performance overall from him. Putting this on the second-ranked defense in the NBA, not bad, not too shabby. Now, Devon, we have some people in the chat requesting that you turn that hat around. They're curious what hat, uh, oh. what team that hat is. Oh, this is the f- okay. There you yeah. go. There, see, Somebody thought it was a like, Yankees hat. No, 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 no. I no, wanted to no, give no, no. you a chance to redeem yourself there. Yeah. Never, never, <laughs> never, never, never put. Look, as cool as the Yankee hat is, as Jay Z called it, made the Yankee hat cool, greater than than the Yankee did. I will never put that on, on 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 my head ever. Never ever ever. There's some legendary logos and hats and Celtics, Lakers, Cubs. I think the, I think the last know. time I wore a Yankee hat, I was 13 playing baseball, and you know, in like those leagues, they, they give you an That's MLB team. team. I had right. to wear it. I didn't have an option. That was the last time. Yeah. Yeah, understood. Understood. So yeah, you didn't mention the Raiders hat, Devon. The Raiders hat, I feel like is a couldn't do that either. <laughs> 
couldn't couldn't do that either. But that is a legendary logo and, and all of it. But uh, I see I see Al there two minute warning saying, "Okay, bro, I was just checking. My bad, Al. I, I should have turned it around. I'm in the house, man. I'm chilling. You know, I just threw on the hat. I'm in sweatpants now, man. This is a true <laughs> right. Friday night. Yeah, no, I got shorts. Oh man. Well, listen, I wear sweats every day to the studio. So come on, you, that's all right. You're all right. But no, man, that that Tyrese Maxey performance, first night of a back to back where they take on the Bulls tomorrow, eight o'clock start once again. And and to have this type of performance, because look, Ime Odoka, again, second ranked defense in the entire NBA. Ime Odoka does some pretty good things defensively with his team. And that's why, as you guys, I just sat there and listened. I was very, very, I was I was puzzled by some of the defensive things that he was trying to do. The Jason Tate one, I understood. But then when I saw Jeff Green on him, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that yeah. one. Uh, of course, I wouldn't Tari have known East. about that one like four years ago. Right. right now, yeah, let alone what's right going now. On there. And and then you see Tar Eason. Okay, Eason is a pretty good player. Maybe that length, as we talked about the other day, might bother him just a tad bit. But what he has gotten so much better at is getting using that first step, getting by them, but still having them on the hip enough where he does the quick layup, the quick shot. Where if they come down, they're probably gonna foul his arm, his wrist, whatever. If they get a block, okay, that's just really good defense. You shake their hand and you get ready for the next play. But he's so quick with getting that shot off now, where he's not allowing those players to really do that. And even with Alperen Sengun, as great as he is, okay, defender, you know, sometimes he's not quick enough to get over there to recover no, and not. block the shot especially if Maxi is now in really point guard mode where he wants to dump it off to the man that's now open at that point. So all in all, uh, fellas, just a great overall game for him. Another one that we just, you check it off. You know what I mean? You, oh, let me check this one off because he, he, he did it again for the questions of, uh, will he do it without Embiid? And we saw him struggle on Christmas day against Miami without Embiid. He only finished with 12 points. Struggled mightily in that game. They lost. They had a chance had he played a little bit better through the stretch that 12 might have meant something differently. But he bounced back with the Orlando game, certainly in this one against a much better defensive team, lit them up and helped lead his team to victory. And as I say that, you know what, folks, you might want to go find yourself a Tyrese Maxi car right now and get that before his career is over, because it might be worth something eventually. I might. And if you were looking to do that, you would want to go to Wheelhouse Cards. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as t-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell Ness, 47 brand junk food starter, and Scheib Vintage Sports. If you're looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. They're open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. Also, be sure to give them a follow at Insta on, on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. All right, and if you can't find Tyrese Maxey's in that pack... That's okay, because I have another option for you. You might be able to get something from our good friends at FOCO. FOCO, of course, is the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment in merchandise with a product line that includes apparel and accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms out there for you. It's football and tailgating season. The playoffs are about to get underway. So for your favorite team, you want to make sure you're geared up properly with the overalls, the hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, 
everything you need for a game, FOCO has you covered. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets, like you see with us when we're in studio, the rest of our gang, of course, as part of the PHLY team, they have them in studio for you. Check them out. Maybe you'll like one. Go check them out overall. And if you do so, FOCO, let me let you know again, always has our back for Philly sports. They have yours too. Get the best gear around by using link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, PHLY10, and that's for 10% off. Tell them yeah, we sent you. Devon, I want to go back to something you said where you were looking at this maybe as a, a night where Tyrese in the final four minutes, whatever it might be, going to go out there and win the game. Certainly didn't go out and, oh, he hit three straight threes and individual scoring run. But if you go from about the, I think it was like the four and a half minute mark or so, he had an insane N1 at the 430-ish mark. About a minute later, it's that play where they called a timeout and they ran the ATL. Tyrese gets the ball, gets fouled at the rim. Another couple of important points there. And then just under the two-minute mark, Pat Bev's corner three is created because Tyrese attacks off the dribble, draws in the pressure, and then Pat's wide open in the corner. And I think in that stretch, you can see, okay, this is how Tyrese Maxey, year four point guard, can win you a game. This is manufacturing offense when it matters. It's not just, hey, he's blinding hot from deep. It's I'm going to figure out what the best thing to do is on each individual possession, even if, even if that's setting somebody else up, even if that's drawing in the attention and using the attention I'm getting to free somebody else up for a shot. So I think there was also a level of maturity and good decision-making at the end of this performance that really stood out to me. You know, it very easily could have said, look, I got 40 points, 42 points tonight at any given time in that final stretch of the game. I could call my own number whenever I want to. I could be the guy. I could try to play hero ball. And instead, I thought he read the floor, read the game, and did what he's going to have to do against these teams that have high-level defenses that they're not going to play the Rockets in uh, – I'm going to bold take here. The Rockets aren't making the finals, so they're not going to play the Rockets in the playoffs, but they will play hard-nosed, tough, athletic defensive teams in the playoffs. And Tyrese showing good decision-making yet again and without Joel Embiid available late in the game, I thought that's a really important sign of his progress and his growth in the final you know, four or five minutes of that game. Yeah, great point. Uh, again, it didn't necessarily have to come into scoring. Like, I wanted to see it, but to your point, uh, getting the N1, uh, he missed a free throw, not a big deal, but, you know, getting the N1, uh, the opportunity there, again, continuing to put the pressure on the defense because he knew they couldn't guard him, and then drawing kick to Patrick Beverly. He had confidence in his teammate to take that shot. He knew it was Patrick Beverly on that side, and he still gave it to him. He could have forced a shot. He could have, again, did what he hey, did. Hey, that's Philadelphia night. hero, Patrick Beverly, man. Yes, that sir. Was, what an yes, incredible sir. fourth quarter he had. Yeah, he, he again, he could have he could have gotten to the free throw line for his 16th and 17th opportunity there in, in that game. But he decided, no, I'm going to be unselfish here. I did my job, which was draw the defense in, collapse it and find a, a better shot, a, a better shot in the corner, no matter who it was. And someone who's more than capable because he was out there on the floor uh, playing the way that he was. And Patrick Beverly hitting that shot tonight. So you're absolutely right, Kyle. 
as, as the development goes, the maturity continues to happen game by game while he's on the floor. That's exactly what, it, what you wanted to see. And, and, and you got the result that you got uh, with some points on the board from Patrick Beverly. Yeah. And look, I know the assist numbers weren't necessarily there, um, but I thought he started off the game. He had a real nice kick out driving kick to Ubre in the corner. I thought he made some pretty good passes. The Sixers for most of the night could not shoot. I, I think there were seven for 22 or something like that. Um, no, they were much less than that. Uh, I think there were 12 like for 33. Passes. They finished. Yeah. And I think some of that came late. I think they're in the 20% range or 25% range for most of the night. Uh, I thought he played a pretty good floor game too, especially given how much they needed from him. And especially because most of the players around him outside of Tobias weren't really going early. Uh, six for 23 through three quarters uh, for the Sixers. So, you know, good, good, good time to pick up the outside shooting uh, for the team. Three for eight in the fourth. They were 10 for 18 from the fourth as well. Got to the foul line seven to nine a little bit, you know, towards the end with Melton Morris getting to the free throw line to make those free throws down the stretch. I mean, how about it? Again, uh, you know, kid, all kidding aside where we, of course, we have the Marcus Morris moment of the night, uh, but <laughs> But boy, I mean, things weren't looking all that good early on, but to hit that big shot, first of all, as you said, the hero, big offensive rebound from Patrick Beverly to corral that rebound, uh, get it, have the wherewithal to clock resets, but still look out to the perimeter, see where his teammates were. And he finds Morris and drills a three where they didn't need a three. They just needed some points, but he was open and he, and he took it. And this was after he bricked one earlier, Derek, you know, we talked about that a little bit. He bricked one earlier and uh, he, he missed a couple of shots that we've seen him make so far in a Sixers uniform, but big time shot there for, for Marcus Morris. And, and not only that uh, finishing in the, on the night with, with nine points uh, overall. So uh, pardon me, 13 points overall, but looking at what he did. 14 points. You're still shortchanging him. 14. I'm shortchanging him. <laughs> 10, 10 in the – as I'm looking at my my, my box score here, uh, he played all – I didn't realize he played the entire 12 minutes uh, of the yes. fourth quarter. So uh, 10 points there and that two threes because he hit the one in the corner and then he hit that one on the wing, got fouled, made the free throw. A pretty good, pretty good shot-making performances from Beverly and Morris there. Yeah, oh, look, so he was he was brutal in the first half. Like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. we, were, we were joking in the first half of which was going to be a Marcus Morris moment of the game, and it was tough to figure out. His defensive decision-making was bad. He had that ridiculous offensive foul there at the end. He wasn't making yep. his shots. He was real, real bad. For me, the and he ended up, what, I think maybe 11 fourth-quarter points. But to me, the, the big keys were, you know, he had that one where I think it was Sagoon was trying to make the pass. He jumped the passing lanes caused him to hesitate and commit a turnover. Then he went down on the other end, got the offensive rebound in the and one, even more than the made shots, even more than the threes. It was a hustle plays. It was a defensive effort that is sometimes there, sometimes not. Uh, he was very, very good in the fourth quarter. And Patrick Beverly, holy cow. Like the way that guy can make layups, despite the fact that he can't run or elevate is amazing. He's got every old man YMC move in the book down and it somehow works against NBA competition. Obviously not at a high volume. Nobody's going to ask that, but he came up with some huge, huge driving buckets uh, and it was fun to watch. I really, really enjoy watching Patrick Beverly when he has it going and he's been a, a pretty key and pretty consistent member of the rotation for a little while now. Um, it's been good. That's right. Ax That's right. Ax monkey. The fans will riot if they try to trade Marcus Morris now. That's right. <laughs> Fan favorite back home. 
so I will say this. I yeah. am shocked by how much I like watching Patrick Beverly rebound. Shocked. Yes. There are there are so few guys it. on this team who actually go up and attack rebounds. And so to see one of the shortest guys on the floor just say, I'm getting that goddamn ball. And like Scott, it's the only time he really like gets up at all. Yeah. To Derek's point, when he's shooting a layup, it's like he's barely clearing a foam ball. <laughs> he's going after a rebound. He's like jumping as high as my desk. And you no, know, it's wild. So, but look, gets the most out of what he has. He pops up in the fourth quarter tonight. Basically, every single time that it felt like oh, this game might get out of reach here, especially that early part of the fourth quarter, Tyrese has to sit because he's played so many minutes still ended up playing over 41 minutes on the night. Mm-hmm. It's like, you mm-hmm. gotta buy Tyrese a breather here. And that's where I'm thinking this game's about to get away from him. There's no check. Like, good effort. The Rockets are shooting the hell out of the ball. What are you going to do? And Pat hits a couple, you know, hits a layup and then they force a turnover. He gets out on the run out, scores another one. And all of a sudden, I think it was like a four or five point game at that point. Yeah. And they just held the fort with him there. And on the Marcus point, I will say Mia Culpa, we're in Slack during the game. And I said, I want to see him benched for a week because he <laughs> took a mid-range, like long two pull-up yeah. jumper on a transition possession with 18 seconds on the shot clock. And I wanted to punt him to the moon. I was like, you are, <laughs> nobody should be taking that shot, but you especially bench role player. Should not be taking that. Bricks it. I'm just so irritated. And then the fourth quarter, there are even times where I'm like, they're really going to go no center here? Like that, we've left it until we're 26 minutes in now, something like that, and haven't even really talked about the fact that they basically played no center for the entire fourth quarter, right? I don't think Mm -hmm. there was Reed or Bamba on the floor that entire time. So, Nor did they they deserve to be, by the way. uh, Yeah, look, that's a we'll we'll get to that that at some point. And there were certainly times where you're like, I don't put this on Marcus. It was just as a group, they did not rebound well at all. Paul didn't mm-hmm. when he was on the floor tonight. So not like he would have helped matters much there, but they cobbled it together. And it's a really like general silly thing to say, but you can see watching this team that's got lots of vets on it. Why veteran teams win and young teams generally don't like they have a lot of guys that have been in real playoff moments, high pressure situations. And so like Marcus Morris gets that kick out on a play with 30 seconds left in a late December game against Houston. He's not batting an eye. He doesn't give a shit. Like he thinks that shot's going in. It wouldn't have mattered if he was 0 for 11 going into that possession. He believes that's going in. I love that he stepped into it with confidence. I love the attitude he plays with. I think between him and Pat and some of these guys that they're, surround i mean kelly to a certain extent these guys that they're surrounding joel and tyrese with just have a little bit of that edge to them that i think they've been missing i think a lot of people thought they'd get it by adding pj tucker last year but i think you're seeing now that they have several guys who come in like you're not gonna punk me and they're making physical plays and, and mixing things up i think you can see a marked difference in this team in that department this year versus last year. Yeah, off the scramble before that, when midway through the fourth, before the big three with about 30 seconds to go, he hit that corner three to make it 106-104. Uh, again, off of that scramble with Tobias found him in the corner uh, for that three-pointer. And he turned around and barked at the bench because 
to Derek's point, he had been struggling all night. And Kyle, you brought up that one moment, but uh, he had been struggling all night. So to to what you're saying about that three that he hit late, the layup that he had on that offensive rebound there underneath the basket, uh, to to hit that one earlier, you know that had to feel good for him to, as you said, not care and not to have a care in the world about when that shot was going to go up. When he did, because once you see it go through the basket one time already, then you feel good. And even if he had been missed 11 in a row, Kyle, he was still taking that shot. And I'll say this, too, as we were going to have the Marcus Morris moment of the night in a bad way with that second quarter decision for the uh, offensive screen that he had there to give the Houston Rockets back. He came back down the floor and they had a layup opportunity and he did not allow Jeff Green to get a shot off because he closed out kind of redeemed himself, put his hands up to fake jump, and Jeff Green had the ball fake before he got it off. Buzzer expires. They don't even get a shot off. So at that point, they're only up one. So, again, small moment, but a a key moment because that might have been two points right there that we don't know how that would have translated later on uh, had he not at least redeemed himself on that particular sequence there to to close out that, that second quarter going into the fourth. And... When Mo Bamba, uh, pardon me, when Paul Reed picked up that third foul to you guys' point about him getting the minutes in the fourth, Nick Nurse put him in instead of instead of Mo Bamba to, to close out that that fourth quarter. I mean that second quarter. So well look, that had, I am that not all the there. way on the Marcus Morris bandwagon. I'm not gonna lie, his defense still, the way he changes direction and changes totally speed can agree. only be described as glacial. But even I will admit he should be in there over Mobamba, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Dude, not even was, a question. I, I'm trying to. I have it somewhere in my notes. There was a Bamba possession in the first half where I was like, "Oh my god!" I just how can you move that slow in space? Who was it? Oh, actually, the here one of the heroes of the game, Pat Beverly, got smoked by Jalen Green. Yeah. And so it's a it's a foot speed competition between Jalen Green and Mo Bamba. I'm gonna let you guys take a wild guess who won the foot speed competition between those two. I'm guessing not Mo Bamba. <laughs> no. Uh, and Jalen Green, you know, had a great night tonight. I think has largely had a disappointing season yep. this year. He made Mo Bamba look like he was playing Twister. So that was that was the last I wanted to see of Mo Bamba, and I think he still got some minutes after that. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, guys, gals, Sixer fans out there, if you want to go see this basketball team when they return home next month, maybe I saw someone, uh, Julia put someone who was in the chat that said they might go to the Chicago game on Saturday night, second night of a back-to-back. If you need those last-minute tickets, I know where you can get them. Go to our good friends from Game Time. Yes, Game Time, buying tickets to your favorite event, especially if you want to see your favorite team. Shouldn't be as stressful at all. Game Time is the fast and easy way for you to buy tickets to all three sports, I mean, all the sports, music, comedy, theater, and more, you might be able to catch a theater show with Kyle. Uh, maybe the Nutcracker is one that he talked about. So, you know. Hey, that's a that's Kyle, a group trip, man. That's all Kyle, three of us. We're going. All right, all right, all right, I'm all getting, Vince is going to buy us tickets to the Game Time app, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll call it team bonding. How about the that? The theater takeover. All right. I like it. I'm wearing sweatpants, though, so just deal with that. Uh, game Time is the fast and easy way. Again, to buy tickets for all of those events near you, especially even if you're out of town in Chicago and want to see your favorite team with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Check it out. This is what you get. Images of seat views. Got it. Lowest price guaranteed. 
event cancellation protection, job loss protection, et cetera. Flash deals again, last minute tickets, got you covered, easy to find and buy tickets for every event in your area. Get those images are key because you don't want to be blocked while you're trying to watch the theater, you know, with the play with us three while we're Not there. We'll be, theater we'll guy be fine. Mind. You're the one obsessed with it, it seems like. I don't know. I, I, like I think you talked me into buddy. it. You, you talked me into it. Uh, it, it. You'll be good. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, bang, bang, and you're all set. All right? Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through those emails. You can just go right to your app. No problem at all. Tickets make great holiday gifts also. It's not over yet. Still on vacation. It still counts. You missed that loved one, that friend. Make sure you go get a ticket from Game Time. Snagging tickets without the stress with Game Time is very easy. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for 20% off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed and guys word, back kyle, by popular it, demand kyle says the word bagels <laughs> everybody knew it was coming guys our good friends at bagels and co offer huge brooklyn style bagels made right here in philadelphia <laughs> i eat bagels several days a week and bagels and co offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels they rotate seasonally they have a christmas themed bagel or at least they did i don't know we might have a new year steam bagel coming soon maybe valentine's day maybe chinese new year i don't Keep an eye out, guys. They have all kinds of theme bagels. They're always worth checking out, always in rotation. And if you're a cream cheese guy like I am, 30 different flavors of cream cheese rotating throughout the year. And we're a sports show, so I always got to mention, Bagels & Co. do themed cream cheeses as well. That's right. All the local sports teams, including the Philadelphia 76ers we are talking about on this very show. And just as important as that variety, guys, the affordability. Bagels & Co. has kept the prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, not just someone who comes in Saturday, Sunday, feeling a little, throwing some money around, you're splurging. That's not who they're after. This is an everyday place you can go to. They also offer, on top of the bagel, some premium coffee at a superior price to most national brands and chains. So for the best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, Head to www.thebagelsandco.com slash store dash locator to find the closest Bagels & Co. near you. I, we gotta, I'm going to go back at some point and count how many times I say bagels in that ad read <laughs> and we can uh, really play it up how many times I'm saying it. See if I can sprinkle it in there four or five more times. Nah, I hear you, man. Um, Tobias Harris with another solid performance tonight, fellas. Uh, where he went out there and dropped 22 points on a 10 of 18 shooting, made two threes. And again, not hesitating on these three-point attempts, puts up six shots, got seven assists to lead uh, the team in that category. Three block shots to also lead the team tonight as uh, Tobias Harris' defensive player, their rim protector, not letting things easy, happen easily at the rim uh, another really good performance. So this is the stretch that we talk about, Derek, where we'll be frustrated with some things that he does, and then he'll come back and he'll play like he has been playing over the past few games. Yeah, look, he was, and again, my favorite play of the night is when he had that, you know, sort of like two-step dribble into a three uh, top of the key. Uh, just when he takes those confidently and he ended up with six attempts against the night, made two of them. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love seeing him post, trying to post up Tate early on in the game. When he had to mismatch and the size advantage, I don't necessarily love Tobias Harris post-ups, but if that's what it's going to take to get him going and keep him aggressive and maybe let him feel 
in the zone and in a groove, then fine. Use that possession. Uh, and he made it here. He is, and good decisions with the ball, active defensively, just a real, real good Tobias Harris game. Again, am I going to be concerned what's to come in a week, in two weeks, in a month? Of course. But this is four good games in a row at a time when you needed him to step up to give you a chance without Joel Embiid. Uh, they obviously came into the previous game 0-4 without Embiid. They've won their last two. Tobias Harris has been key in both of them, uh, and he deserves a lot of credit. And by the way, our guy, Ash, hit us with a super chat pointing out Sixers now have the best road record in the NBA at 10-5. and Tobias contributing to that a lot tonight. I would say I would have to scrutinize that a little bit because of who they've played in some sure. of these road games against the mighty Detroit Pistons, for example, the Atlanta Hawks, so on and so forth. But to stay on the point that Derek is making here, this is what we asked for out of Tobias. More aggression, more willingness to shoot as a catch-and-shoot guy, more buy-in defensively. I'm not going to sit here and look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like, I, I think this is exactly what you want from Tobias. It's not, we're not going to get this volume from him from a total shot perspective when Joel comes back. We damn sure should expect the type of catch and shoot, three-point shooting volume and more than he's offering right now, quite frankly, when it's, you know, shots are easier to come by from there when Joel is drawing all the attention in the middle of the floor. So some of the stuff that helps him get going, those mid-post touches, the cross matches against, like, he's not going to get a ton of those in the middle of a game when Joel is operating at the elbows, closer to the rim, et cetera. But I can absolutely demand, Nick Nurse can demand, the Sixers can demand, that Tobias keeps up the three-point volume, stays confident as a catch-and-shoot guy, and keeps building off the run he's on. He's in an excellent place right now after you know, weeks, maybe damn near a month of, of pretty ineffective basketball. So just hoping he can keep this up because, because if they get the Joel they've gotten this season, the Tyrese they've gotten this season, and Tobias can somehow stay you know, close to this level, they're going to be really cooking with gas heading down the stretch of this year. Yeah, and – and uh, the Sixers were uh, down by seven in the second quarter. It was 48-41. Maxi was already cooking, but again, uh, not enough defense on the other end by the Sixers to really slow the Houston Rockets down. And we kept having these runs. This was truly, folks, a game of runs tonight where you saw the Houston Rockets get out there early. Sixers make a run to come back. The Rockets do it again. And and so on and so forth. It just kept happening that way. The Sixers had the, the uh, run that meant the most for both teams tonight when they closed the game out. But Harris had a three-pointer and, and, a, and a bucket to cut the uh, cut the deficit to two and, and a nice stretch there offensively when Maxi just quite frankly just needed a little bit of a break uh, while he was still on the floor. Just couldn't continue to play at that pace, defend on the other end, and still ask him to do as much as he was on the other. You needed someone else to step up as hot as he was. And I thought that that was important to see there for Harris to have those five points. Five points is five points. It may not seem a lot, but when you're down and you need to have that little bit of run, he provided that and he, and he gave them something. And you're right. We're not going to maybe expect this from him later on because we know that at sometime during the season, it's going to happen again where we're having the conversation the other way. But this is why we have these conversations because we, we, we don't want that simply because we know things will change 
while Embiid is on the floor, but you're also still the third best player offensively on this team. And you, you touch the basketball a lot and aggression is aggression. No matter how many times you touch the basketball, you still want to make the right play, but the aggression simply needs to be there. And we've seen that over the past four or five games from him after we called him out. Others have, have talked about it and we've seen it so much as we discussed it. It's good to see it again that he is there and that it just can't change. It'll be there tomorrow, we think, we hope, against that Chicago team. But it needs to be there next week if and when Joel Embiid comes back and he's back out there on the floor where this this type cannot stop. It has to continue. It may not be the form of 33 or 27 or 23 or 22, but the aggression has to be there because if it is, guess what? We might look at the box score at the end of the night and he does have 22 or 23, and it's helping out his teammates get better looks and better shots. And to have the seven assists, largely because he was passing to Maxi, and Maxi only needs one dribble to keep the assist alive because he's picking the basketball up as he gets by his man and gets to the rim for a layup and a finish. He had seven assists. So typically in the past when Embiid or Simmons, when they were together at the time, whenever one of those two were out, Harris would attack the glass in a big way and help out on the glass. Tonight, not so much, but he helped out in another way where he did have the seven assists where Maxi was more in the scoring mode tonight than he was uh, doing anything else. Yeah, and look, I'm, and that's why, I, that's why I bring up that, that you know, top of the key, step into it three, because like when you see him and he's not confident, he'll have a shot with five more feet of space than that and just pass it up, not even consider looking at the rim, or if he does, it's a jab step and a pump fake. When he's just taking those decisive threes, I don't care if he shoots two for six. I don't care if he shoots one for seven. Keep taking that, and you will bend the defense. You will give Tyrese Maxey space. You will give Joel Embiid space, and you will make it, and you will open up cutting lanes for Kelly Oubre. Like, just give me that shot consistently. I don't care if you're, you know, missing them. Just give me that shot. I, it really does frustrate me. It really does. And by the way, fellas, got another super chat from our guy, Jay of the Jungle. Shout out to Jay. Seeing you here quite a bit recently. Who asks, are the Celtics and Bucks ever going to lose? Feel like we've been three games out of the one seed for an eternity. So <laughs> frustrating. Uh, I would say this, Jay. I, I, I do think there's, you know, there's something to that. They lost the Miami game with Joel out. And, you know, there's been a little bit of slippage from the Sixers while Milwaukee lost bit, that same day, and you could have made it yeah. around, yes, yep. yeah. So that that was the the one missed opportunity this week. I would say this, you know, don't be too concerned about the standings. I think what's more important is how are they playing? What does their identity look like? To, to be within striking distance, thirty-one games into the season, that in and of itself is a giant victory for a team that has. New head coach traded James Harden. A lot of a lot of new guys in the rotation has completely revamped this team in a lot of ways beyond you know the the two guys as the tent poles and even them you know Joel's playing differently this year. He's got a lot more assists. Tyrese learned how to play point guard. So to be there this early with over half the season left is a great thing. They're going to go through some challenges and whatnot as the season goes on, but. I wouldn't worry too much about the standings right now. I, Milwaukee has, as much as I, I've hammered them at times on this pod, I've said their defense sucks. I don't like their coach, et cetera, et cetera. 
they are still chugging along and winning games and even Boston, right? Like they, they're nine and one. Both those teams are nine and one in their last 10 games. And even Boston goes down 19 to Detroit at halftime. Looks like they're going to finally give the Pistons. I know Derek was, he's already tweeting me about my guarantees before the game had ended or before halftime had come on Thursday night. <laughs> I really Got thought it was going to be Detroit's night. I really thought. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this. I advised a friend of mine to make a wager on the Celtics at halftime that ended up winning quite a bit of money. As so. you should. I uh, Look, all of that is to say the Sixers are close to Boston and Milwaukee as it stands. The stats all indicate, the standings indicate the Sixers are an elite team right now that has an elite player and another all-star player on the floor next to him. That is way, way more important right now than anything else. Yeah, and look, uh, Milwaukee right now has played the second easiest schedule in the league. You know who the easiest is? Doesn't bode well for them. It is the 15 and 15 Phoenix Suns, which when you are 15 and 15 and playing the easiest schedule. Now, look, obviously there's all kinds of injury asterisks in there, uh, but they have the only team in the league playing an easier schedule. You know, you will have a chance to catch up with Milwaukee in January. You just got to get through this tough stretch of the season. Not that Sixers played a tough stretch so far. I think they played a easier than average stretch, but it's not Milwaukee level easy. But the main overriding point is the standings just don't matter yet. You are within arm's length. You have a top four seed that is is really key. You'd obviously love to jump either one of Milwaukee or Boston. I don't think you're jumping Boston. I think they are very legitimate. But you'd love to jump Milwaukee. You have plenty of time to do so. To Kyle's point, you're still within reach. And here, here's the other thing. As, they, as all three teams are playing really well over their last 10, and their records say as such with 25, 25 and six for Boston, 24 and eight for Milwaukee, 22 and nine for Philadelphia. That the one thing that you can see too, why they're winning, they're also keeping those other guys from behind them away. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a three team race right now at the top of the Eastern Conference. So while you may lose some games overall, and maybe some of those teams behind them, like Miami has, has caught up to Orlando now for that third spot there where they're tied at 19 and 12, that they'll catch up. And then the Sixers will have another run where they go nine for 10. Same for Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, so as Kyle and Derek have both said, right now, I'm not worried about it. Don't worry about it. They're doing their job. They're doing what they can do and handling what they can handle. And most importantly, too, they're doing so where we've looked at the record without Joel Embiid before, and they were 0-4. Now we're looking at it where they're 2-4 and because they've won their last two without uh, their big fella on the floor. So with that, Jay, I would say just look at it. Just like that, they're playing a good brand of basketball overall. They're still finding ways to win. It's not as easy as we've seen with Embiid on the floor, but they're doing it, and they're not losing any ground to the, any of the other teams behind them while they're they're winning these games. So I, I wouldn't worry about it about it much. Um, speaking of the game last night, before we get to some of the other things, uh, the Boston Celtics and the Detroit Pistons. I mean, folks. They played the Toronto Raptors tomorrow. Toronto was on the second night of a back-to-back, and I think the Raptors' uh, game is done. They lost to Boston tonight. So Toronto lost by two to Boston tonight, and they take on the Detroit Pistons tomorrow. But we had that fun Killian Hayes conversation on, you know, could you play for the 76ers? And he really stood up <laughs> for the Boston Celtics-Detroit Pistons game and uh, made our segment that was very fun look pretty good. 
<laughs> I will say this because look, we all know who Killian Hayes is at this point. It's a guy who airballs a 16 foot jumper. Monty Williams looking at that game and saying, you know what? We've lost 18 of the 19 points in our lead. I just finally called a timeout. You know what I need to do coming out of that timeout? Play my all bench lineup with fucking Killian Hayes and James Wiseman as two of my bookends for this lineup. What are you watching? What NBA are you existing in? It's like he is like just he lives in a world before James Wiseman and Killian Hayes were drafted where people are like, Oh, look at all this talent that these two have. And that is like still where his brain is and not the games that are happening in 2023. The fact that Jaden Ivy, like, look, he's probably not lived up to expectations. I'd say it's fair to say up to this point in his career, the fact that Jaden Ivy was getting benched and not playing important minutes so you could start and close with Killian Hayes for two fucking months of the season is one of the dumbest things I have seen a, a allegedly good basketball coach do in the last like five to 10 years of NBA. And frankly, I will say this, Monty Williams got credit that Chris Paul deserved in Phoenix. I've never thought Monty Williams is a good coach. Fluke run to the finals, fraud watch Monty Williams. I'm glad you got your money. You're a nice guy. Not a good coach. <laughs> Lost us the championship, man. <laughs> um, now, 28 games clear, in a row. When Devon says us, it's because of that family connection. Yeah. Don't question. He's not wearing a Yankees hat. Don't question the Philly thing. That's, I was so that game five. Do you remember they were Phoenix? And, I, and of course, you know, say we, but Phoenix was up 2 nothing in that series. And Milwaukee, they were there for a reason. Came back in one of the last two games. We were up 21 at the half in game five in Phoenix. And I was there that night in Phoenix. Um, and we were sitting there. And I'm looking at my cousins like, yo, what was he doing right there? I'm talking about the coach. <laughs> yes, Monty Williams, right? <laughs> like, yo, what's happening here? Why is this happening? Call time out there. So, yeah, man. Um, ah, boy. Kevin in the one. chat said that Monty's coaching in the multiverse, which I think is probably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in the universe where James Wiseman has a goddamn clue how to play basketball. Apparently. Does it, does it, do they snap the streak tomorrow? Again, 28 in a row. They play Toronto tomorrow night. Toronto played tonight, lost by two to Boston. Do the Pistons beat the Raptors tomorrow at home? I do want to say, I think, the Pistons have the record. I don't care about a multi multi year is nonsense. Like when you change yes. players, when you change rosters, that's not the same team losing. That doesn't count. They already have the record. I don't care what happens. But no, why, why would anyone pick them to win any game, much less the next one? And I, Toronto's not, not playing some, well. Some They're people, not. A, some people were betting them yesterday that they were going to snap that last night. Here's what I don't I'll know say. why. They're, They're playing Boston. Well, but they're they're playing hard. Like I think I think Detroit is playing hard. I think Kate is playing hard. Kate is playing better now than he was to start the season. So I understand why. Like they are eventually going to get a win. I'm just not going to bet on them on any single night. Yeah, like I, I think the Raptors are big time fraud team, but I certainly trust them slightly more than the Pistons. I'll also th say Can this: Can be a fraud I, at twelve and eighteen? They're twelve and nineteen. First of all. Yeah. Okay. So, but can you be a fraud at 12 and 19? You can be a fraud when you're going to bring all these guys back and not trade them and sign oh, them. Oh, no, that's just being dumb. They need to blow sure. that up for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would also say this to add on to my Monty point. People give Dwayne Casey a lot of shit for what he didn't achieve in Toronto with those teams. He's done a much better job coaching the Pistons with not a whole lot better yeah. talent than Monty Williams has right now. So as Very much true. as you want to like give Monty shit and Dwayne has gotten a lot of grief over the years, I, I think that history will smile favorably upon him. A couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, Chicago off tonight, 14 and 19, hosting the Sixers tomorrow. Saw them a few weeks ago and uh, they've been playing really well. Uh, Kyle's favorite player, Kobe White. Still playing at a very, very good pace. They're 14 and 19 again. They are 10 and 9 at home. Um, this is what, the third time we'll see this team in a couple of weeks? What do you guys thoughts early? Well, I'd say it's probably good that Vucevic is out because we saw tonight that Paul Reed can really struggle against a bigger center uh, and the way oh. they had to double every time. Uh, I do feel like we probably skipped over Paul and Moe's struggles. I thought Paul was real bad here. Uh, in this one, uh, decision-making, uh, foul troubles, and people always say, oh, fouls don't matter because he's a backup center. Well, first of all, A, they do matter because the other team getting the bonus, and that impacts your defense, even when he's not on the floor. But especially in a game like tonight where you need him, you need him for 25 minutes. He can't adjust his play style to stay on the floor, and that hurt him. And also his rotations were just bad, uh, and, and he was, had a real, real tough night. He started the game off trying to go ISO against someone, one of the worst ISO shots We've seen all year, uh, he was not good, and they need him to be better. Well, here's the good news, Derek. Paul gets to play against Andre Drummond, who has 41 rebounds in the last two games <laughs> yeah. after the Sixers couldn't rebound for shit for you know two and a yeah. half quarters at least of that game. So I'd say that's where my mind goes first. I think they're certainly still the more talented team than Chicago, especially and with look, Gooch out. I will say, just because there's a lot of comments in the chat, I'm not saying they need to go out and get a backup center especially when you get in the playoffs. Like you, I don't want them to give up resources for somebody who's going to play eight minutes per night. I think Paul Reed just needs to play better. And I think I don't want to say all nights because Paul is very up and down. And I feel like this year he's been even more up and down than in prior years, in part because I think Nick Nurse has empowered him and empowering Paul Reed isn't always the best decision. I think that's one, maybe the one area where I really agree with Doc Rivers on. Have him rolling to the rim on offense. That's about it. Have him rotating on defense and rebounding. That's about it. Those are his roles. Um, but you're not going to spend resources for a guy who's going to go out and like to get a marginal upgrade at a position that's going to play eight minutes per game. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So that's, I don't think uh, Devon's muted. It looks like. Oh, I'm sorry. But, but Gene, but Gene liked that pass to Maxi though uh, on, on uh, he, Wednesday. Look, he can do nice stuff. He has, he can make <laughs> nice drives. He has good body control. It's just whenever he does something nice, he then thinks, Oh, I can do this every time down on the floor. And it leads to some bad stuff too. Yeah, I'd say my only real concern coming into the game, other than the the centers looking bad tonight and kind of for most of this week, is that Tyrese played over 41 minutes and is likely going yeah. to have to play a ton of minutes for them to win tomorrow unless they get some kind of uncommonly good performance from, you know, whether it's Kelly, whether it's DeAnthony, somebody's going to have to step up in a major way that had a smaller role tonight. Maybe you somehow get the hot hand at the craps table and Pat Bev has another blinder in the second well, half. Or... But even when Pat Bev goes on a blinder, Tyrese still plays 41 minutes. That's true. Like he's not uh, sitting. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it might be, I know it's not going to happen. It's a scenario or a, it's a game where I'd love to see someone like Springer get some minutes just to like, Hey, look, 
young legs didn't play tonight. Yep. Freshen it up. Give the other guys a break. If the the other team goes on a run or he struggles, like I'm okay with that. Get him some opportunities. Give Tyrese and some of these like look. Tobias played 35. DeAnthony played almost 36. Those guys are going to have to have their minutes scaled back just a little bit because you're going to need them to play basically the entire fourth quarter, all the important guys. So uh, I just say watch the minutes tomorrow. We'll see where it ends up. Bring the big fella up from the from the G League. Lofton Jr. Lofton? Get some work in. Bring the big fella. My guy Turk. We need Turk. <laughs> Turk. Quavion Smith, backup point guard. Let's go. Yeah, my Sam guy Sam right in the there. chat. Call up Turk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I um, liked you, Sam. That's right. Uh, um, how about how about did you guys see uh, Jokic telling them beat ranking Embiid in the top five on Michael Porter's uh, podcast, talking about Embiid and is one of his favorite players to watch in the NBA. I also saw I didn't Doc see it, Rivers but... say that Jokic is better than Joel. So that's uh, who said that. that? Fun. <laughs> Doc Rivers. Oh well, you know. <laughs> well, he said that he said Embiid was the MVP. So I don't know. You know, Doc Rivers saying that. We'll, we'll uh, leave I, all that for another day. Yeah, I think. it's uh, it's almost midnight on a Friday. It's almost right? midnight on a Friday. You gonna got you guys gonna go have some pop tarts on a late night? You know, pop tarts. Pop tart bowl going on right? You know. Oh. Oh, dude, that was one of the strangest. That <laughs> watching that big thing get eaten, I was like, "This is some like horror movie." Insane, yeah. yeah. You guys eat pop tarts? What's your favorite pop tart? I stick mostly to the classics. I feel like like the the frosted strawberry s'mores, brown sugar cinnamon s'mores, s'mores is good. Blueberry's good. I don't. They're all like depends. I could eat most pop tarts i'm out on good. the pop tart as a kid i like oh. them as a kid i like them as i got you know how when you get older sometimes your taste buds change a little bit and you stop enjoying things and you know i love sweets i eat a bunch of junk food but pop tarts for me they just stop and you're right strawberry frosted maple brown and sugar all of those my kids still eat them but uh well pardon me brown sugar cinnamon yes thank you uh i'm out but I thought it was weird that Pop Tart was taking over social media because of Pop Tart Bowl. Clearly, a good uh, ad buy by Team Pop Tarts to sponsor a bowl. Because we are giving them a lot of free advertising here. This is usually against our mo. They can uh, come our way. They can come our way. I, I will it. gladly eat as many Pop Tarts as they <laughs> ask for. Oh wait, before we get out of here, we do have a another final super yep. chat the from final super chat. Davon, a.k.a. Schoolboy Beats. Now, there's some real free promo. I guess it's not free. It's a super chat promo. Who says? We really need a bigger two-guard, of course, but we definitely need a, a backup center with some size. Reed is too small. Need a Drummond-Vucevic situation. Well, unfortunately, they're not getting... Kenny Lofton uh, Jr., baby. They're not going to get a, a caliber of player like Vucevic as a backup, certainly. Not at the yeah. cost and not at the, uh, the skill set. Uh, I will say... I do think there's a better chance than people might think that they trade for a big pre-deadline. Um, Going to be a marginal move, if anything. I, I think it's more just like they have Reed and they have Joel, but Bamba clearly is, you know, he is what he is. And I think if they're preparing for whether it's the playoffs, different matchups they might face, like let's say they go all the way and, and they play Denver in the finals. Do you want Jokic going up against Paul Reed for, you know, 12 minutes or whatever in that game? No. 
No. The answer is no. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think that's probably more a pickup, like a waiver pickup, or just a throw into a, a different trade. I really do not think... I'm, I'm not talking like a second-round pick. Sure, they might trade a second-round pick, but a real legitimate asset, I just don't see it. All right. Not well, to match up for with one or two people in the playoffs on the off-night show might miss a game. Because really, you're just trying to navigate a game or two in the playoffs. If, Joe, if he misses a series, you're toast. You know that. We've seen Paul Reed step into a oversized role for a couple of games in the playoffs and hold his own. Um, yeah, that's true. Would I replace Mobamba with a, a bigger center for matchup purposes? Sure. I'm just not giving up a first-round pick for it. There's no chance. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, look, yeah. that we're yeah. all in agreement on that one. And yeah, I'm not I saying also, there can't be like a move around the margins. Sure. Yeah. Like shuffle some salary or roster spots. Sure. sure. I also would say, which Davon mentioned in the super chat, I would love for them to get a bigger two guard. So it's not like, again, I like Melton. I feel like I have, always have to preface what I say about him by starting with that. But the on-ball defense can be really rough. I even thought, I thought tonight was a train wreck defensive game from him. I thought he was just headless chicken for a lot of that mm -hmm. game. Now, some of that mm -hmm. was game plan centric, but just a lot of his limitations on display. Yeah. Big fan of Nick Richards in Charlotte, as uh, Davon says there, Mark Williams, Lofton is too small. We were joking about Lofton. I was joking about Lofton because I was the only one that mentioned him, but yeah, those other ones, Mark Williams is a starter in Charlotte. He's not going anywhere, but maybe you could convince them to give up Nick Richards in some sort of deal not have to give up a lot. Teammates with Tyrese Maxey at Kentucky also. Fellas, it's a pretty good one uh, here tonight. Very good win by the Sixers. Once again, 131-127. Huge night for Tyrese Maxey, 42. Fifth, five players in double figures. Second win of this four-game road trip. They're back tomorrow against Chicago in Chicago. That means we will be back tomorrow after they take on the Bulls. Kyle? A lot of folks to uh, say maybe say tomorrow we'll to. even be in studio. You never know. It's maybe know if it's a home office game or a in the office game. So tonight was just too cold. So we stayed in. It's all right. <laughs> Look, I'm fine with this because I don't have to drive back home at midnight. That's perfect. All right, gang, on the way out of here, I got to say what's up to all my people like Ramich, Jay, Jay of the Jungle, Eugene, Jay Bart, Davon, Marcus, Cyber, Remo, Flex, Sam. Brian Knight, Remo K, Bootzilla, my guy, the two-minute warning. I saw Money Mar in there somewhere. Ronald, I see you hating on Pop-Tarts while praising Count Chocula. That's just a weird opinion. They're, it's all sugar, man. Like, I hope you, <laughs> you get some happiness in your life. My guy, Randy, also. Our guy, Ash. So many of you with us late on a Friday night after a game against the Houston Rockets. We appreciate that. You know what I would appreciate even more? Hit that subscribe button and hit the bell icon so you get notifications each and every time we Ding. go live. But also, our talented colleagues go live. But also make me happy and Devon and Derek if you hit the thumbs up on this video. Helps us and the channel out a great deal. More people come to the shows. More commenters for you to yell at and tell them they're idiots for the stupid trade that they're proposing. And look, you're just helping us out, guys. So thank you, as always, for being with us. As Devon said, we will be back with you Saturday night. Post-game show, fellas. I will talk to you later. Tell all the friends. We'll see you tomorrow. We all silly like the mayor.